I've been having a great time. We saw the, uh, the Red Sox on Thursday, and they won 15-1, to so a pretty good game to go to. <laughs> pretty good game. And uh, so we got, got a chance to do some other things here on the Cape, and we always try to do some different things and uh, experience more of New England with them. Want to, uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, you'll see some cards right in front of you in the pew. There's a pen there as well. It's called a connection card. If you can take a few moments just to fill that out and drop it in the offering um, basket, it's not a basket, it's a box. On the way out, you can drop it right in there. And also, if you're a regular and you have changed any of your information, and we have an, an email address that was twohotmama at aol.com because that, uh, that's been outdated. Uh, but we have a new email address now. If you could give us the email address or a new phone number, that would be great. Uh, we want to make sure that we're keeping up uh, our information and we're able to check in on you from time to time. So if you could write that down on there as well. And if you have a prayer request, you know, we've been praying on Wednesday nights. We've been seeing a lot of answers to prayer. So if you have a prayer request, write on the back of that card. You know, write down specific names. We're calling people's names out specifically. We're targeting them in prayer, believing that God is going to answer those prayers. And we've already seen some answers to prayer. So I want to encourage you to not only write it down, but hey, show up on a Wednesday night and pray with us. I think that would show up. Uh, that would be a powerful statement um, about being serious about praying for those that you're writing down on those cards. So I want to encourage you to do that. Now, this morning we're continuing this series called No Turning Back, and we've been working through the book of Ruth for quite a while now. I just want to share this story with you. Probably know from the first line that it's meant to be a funny story. A priest, a doctor, and an engineer were waiting one morning for a particularly slow group of golfers. The engineer asked, What's with these guys? We've been waiting here now for 15 minutes. The doctor agreed, I've never seen such slow golfers. The pastor noted, Well, here comes the groundskeeper. Let's find out what's going on with them. Let's talk, ask them about what's going on. And the pastor called out to the groundskeeper and he said, Say, George, what's with this group up in front of us? They're going so slow. And we've been waiting here for 15 minutes. The groundskeeper says, Well, that's a group of blind firefighters. They lost their sight saving our clubhouse from a fire last year. So we always let them play for free anytime. The group was silent for a moment. The pastor sympathized. That's so sad. I I think I'll say a special prayer for him tonight. Maybe I'll come on a connection card so that they can pray for him on Wednesdays and wait for that feeling. The doctor added, well, that's a good idea. I'm going to talk to some of my ophthalmologist buddies, and maybe there's something they can do for these guys. The engineer spoke up and said, well, that's great. But in the meantime, can't these guys just play at night? Waiting can be a challenge. No one likes to wait, especially if you're waiting for 15 minutes. Anybody waiting at Dunkin' Donuts drive through at any time recently? 15 minutes gone. It can be a challenge. We don't like to wait. We hate to wait because there's a sense where we feel a lack of control. A sense that we feel that the situation is out of our hands. And often it is, isn't it? Whether we believe it or not whether we agree with that or not. When we left off last, we talked about Ruth, who went to uncover the feet of Boaz. And this was a symbol that she was, was submitting herself. She was submitting her life to him in the same way that we submit to God. 
And it reminds me of the passage in James chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves to God. So she had submitted herself to Boaz in the same way that we are to submit ourselves to God. But now what? She is now forced to wait. The one thing that every one of us need to do. There is nothing she can do but wait. It is there that we often find ourselves in the waiting season of our lives. Waiting for that next thing to happen. Waiting for that different day. Waiting for our ship to come in. Waiting to win the lotto. If you do win the lotto, I just want to remind you, 10% goes to the storehouse. What happens in the waiting season? Well, let's read it together here in Ruth chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. It says, Then Boaz said to her, Bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six swoops of barley into the cloak, and then he placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. Verse 16. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, He gave me the six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, Just be patient, my daughter. Just be patient. Until we hear what happens, the man won't rest until he has settled things today. So here we have Ruth in this waiting pattern, in this holding pattern of her life. And Ruth could have hope in this waiting because Boaz left a deposit. He left somewhat of a down payment. He took those six scoops of barley and placed it in her cloak and actually tied it up. And one thing that we know, if you've ever done any real estate transactions, is sometimes... If you pull out of a deal, you might lose your down payment. And it doesn't seem that Boaz had any concern here for losing anything. He just simply wanted to give. He wanted to give a gift to her and Naomi that will help them continue on in the, in the today. So he wasn't worried about that, but he wanted to give them some hope for the things that were to come. So he gave them a deposit, a hope for the things that were to come. Something that said to them, I am taking care of you. And one way or the other, I'm going to be sure that Naomi, you, and Ruth will be taken care of for the rest of your days. I'm going to take care of this issue for you. See, there's a promise, an assurance that one way or another, or another he is going to take care of her. Now, when you think about that and you apply it to Scripture, and you apply it more specifically to the New Testament, did you know that we have a hope in waiting because he has also left, God has left the deposit for us. Like we've been talking from the beginning in the book of Ruth. The Boaz is somewhat of a picture of our relationship with God. So we've talked about submitting to him. But now we're talking a little bit different. Where he has given a deposit to us. Because there is something further to happen. There is something more that is going to take place. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 4 through 5. It says, for while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Anybody's tent make you groan and burden? 
Don't raise your hands. Or you can. It's okay. We can admit it. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly glory, with our heavenly tent. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Verse 5. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. He has given us his Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So the deposit that he has given us is a sign of what is to come. And that sign is the work of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's the deposit that he's given to us as a promise to show that he is who he says he is, that he will take care of the things that we go through. So just like Boaz gave Ruth the barley that they needed just right now with the promise of more to come, Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need him right now. Why not? Do we need more of the Holy Spirit now or less? Absolutely more, right? For those who say that he's, he's no longer in existence or working today, I don't, I don't see how you can say that. We live in a world where we need more of the Holy Spirit to help us to get through the things that we see and the things that we face every day. I don't know how anybody can do it without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit working inside you, directing you every step of the way. And there's a promise of his return. You see, the, the, the Holy Spirit is a deposit. It's something saying, you know what? I'm giving to this to you now, but I am coming back. I will return. There's a promise that he will return and he will set things straight. How many are looking forward for those days? A promise he gives us of eternal life. That this life isn't all that there is, but there is more. A promise of a new heavens and a new earth and a promise of true lasting peace where, yes, the lion will lay down with the lamb. Where we don't have to worry about being harmed. Where there'll be no more tears to cry. There'll be no more pain or sorrow. That's the promise that we hold on to. And how do we know? How can we tell that this is something that God has given us? How can we tell that we can trust this promise? He's given us his Holy Spirit as the guarantee that he is going to do what he said he is going to do. He's given us his Spirit to show us the way, to direct us, even as we read his word. The Holy Spirit enlightens us to teach us what is in his word and how it applies to our lives. The Holy Spirit is also a pledge of our inheritance. In other words, you've come into the family of God. You now know God. You have a relationship with God. You are now his son or daughter. And as his son or daughter, there is an inheritance for you. And there is an inheritance for me. Ephesians 1, 13-14 says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. How did he identify you? By giving you his Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. Fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel, that he is giving us his Holy Spirit. Verse 14, but pay close attention. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance that he promised. And that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we can praise and glorify him. He purchased us to be his own people so that we can praise and glorify him. We should be the most praising people in the world because we know what God has done for us. 
And because of his spirit in us, it gives us the ability to praise and glorify him, to lift him up. He purchased us. There was a price for our freedom. There was a price for our freedom from sin. And the Holy Spirit was the down payment. It's God's guarantee that he is going to take care of us. That he will work out all the details. Ruth had the trust that Boaz was going to do what he said he was going to do. Ruth had the trust that he was going to work through all the details necessary to make this transaction happen as the kinsman redeemer. And we have to have that same trust in our God, believing that he is working all the details that we cannot see, believing that he is working in the background the things that we don't know. Sometimes we sing that song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. That's that sense that God is continuing to work things out in the background that we have no idea what is happening. We have no idea that he's beginning to stir things. We have no idea that he's beginning to set things in place for our lives. All we have to do is the one thing that we hate to do the most. Wait for it. But I don't want to wait. I want it now. Like we said last week. I don't care how. I want it now. But now we just wait for it. What did Naomi tell her? Wait patiently, my God. Wait patiently, my God. See, Naomi was no longer empty. She was full. She had all of these scoops of grain now. Barley, that was a guarantee that Boaz was going to take care of the situation. And just like that, we are not to be empty. We don't have to walk out of this place today empty. Filled with the Holy Spirit is what we need to be. And the Bible says keep on being filled. It's not a one-time thing. It's something that continually happens in our lives. And this is the guarantee. That continually being filled with the Holy Spirit, the living streams working through us, is the guarantee that God will do what he said he would do. When we begin to doubt, when we look at our circumstances and our situations, and we try to praise before the breakthrough, when we don't understand what we're seeing, we need to be filled again. And I would submit to you that if you want to be filled again, if you want an opportunity just to seek the face of God, to come to the gathering on Wednesday nights, there will be opportunity for you to do just that. To seek the work of the Holy Spirit. To be filled again if you feel empty. You don't have to leave empty. You see, these are the glimpses of hope we get all along the way in our journey. The glimpses of hope when we sense the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, knowing that God has given us His Spirit to live in us, to direct us, to guide us, and that He will take care of us through every circumstance and every situation. In the waiting season of your life, my call to you this morning is the same call that Naomi had for Ruth. Wait and be patient. He is taking care of it all. He will not let it rest until it's been taken care of. Amen? The blessing, the promise, all that God has for you is right around the corner. And the first deposit down payment is the Holy Spirit filling you right now. 
It is in the waiting that we learn to trust. When we learn to trust, you know what it does to us? We are changed. When we learn to trust, we are transformed. When we learn to trust, there's not much that can shake us because we know that we're in God's hands. We feel true freedom because we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to know how it's all going to work out. We don't have to know all the details. We trust that God the Father has our best in mind at all times. And in the waiting, in the seasons of waiting, we are changed. We are transformed. We are made new. We learn patience and trust. We have to trust that things are happening in the background, that things are happening that we do not see, and that these things are for our benefit, for our good. And in the seasons of doubt, we have a decision to make. Will we worry or will we trust? Will we worry or will we trust? Or will we wait and be patient? Will we live a life in empty or unempty? Or will we seek to be filled again? Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. says, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Say that. Those who trust in the Lord. Can you say that? Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. And there's other versions that will say those who wait on the Lord. Because you know what? Waiting and trusting are kind of two things that happen together, aren't they? Waiting and trusting. Those who wait on the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I had a chance to go to the Pilgrim Monument. Yesterday, everything blends together now. We climbed a lot of stairs to get to the top. Very easy to grow weary. Very easy to grow faint. The joy of the Lord. He helps us to climb some of the highest hills, some of the most difficult obstacles. He gives us the strength to soar. And wouldn't that have been nice just to be able to climb? So, I was looking for the elevator. There's not one, just in case you didn't climb. If you are in a waiting season, wait upon the Lord. How do we know that that promise is true? Because we're filled with this Holy Spirit. It's the guarantee that every promise He has given us is true for us. Amen. You will soar, you will run and not grow weary, you will walk and not faint. Ruth had no idea what was going to happen. Her faith was in the hands of Boaz. She just had to wait it out and trust. And so do. Because if you knew what was going to happen, guaranteed you would mess it up. You would do the wrong thing. You would try to make something happen. God knows what he's doing. Have you not heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting.
has to now be the leader of all of you. Never knows any other way. But in the waiting, God, like Boaz, has given us his Holy Spirit as the down payment to show us that he will do what he says he will do. He will make good on his promises in our lives. He will take care of you, and he will take care of me. And some of you this morning are in a waiting season right now. And you need prayer for that waiting season. Because it's difficult. And you're having a hard time with the waiting. You're having a hard time with patience. And you're struggling. And maybe you're feeling a little weak. I want to pray for you right now that God will renew your strength. Can we just bow our heads? Is there anybody who would say this morning, maybe you've been feeling a little weak? Let me have bowing back and I'm not going to call you out and you stand up right now. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm struggling a little bit in my waiting season. this season. Father, I thank you for your word today. What I'm praying, even now, a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit in each one of us, because it is the guarantee that you are who you say you are. I pray, Father God, for those that are struggling in the waiting right now, in this season of waiting, in this season of prayers, in the season of saying these prayers and not seeing any answers, I pray, Father, that in the waiting, we would learn to trust you. To know that you are going to take care of the details that we cannot see. Lord, we trust you today. We declare our trust in you. We declare our belief in you. We declare your promises for us. And I pray, Father, that even now, you would build up our faith. That you would build up our strength. Where we feel weak, you would strengthen us once again. Where we feel weary, you would give strength back to our bones. Where mentally we feel exhausted. I pray, Lord, a revitalization, a renewing of our mind so that we can continue to move forward in everything that you call us to do. Lord, in the season of waiting, meet us right there and fill us with more of your Holy Spirit so that we can see the guarantee for our lives moving forward, the guarantee of your promises. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, one of the things that we all have to do in the waiting is remember what God has done for you in the past. Often throughout the Old Testament, you'll see it, I'm reminded as we celebrate the birth of our nation today on July 4th. One thing we must always do is to remember, and often throughout Scripture, people have piles of stones to remember a way that God was faithful to them in the past. And when things weren't going so well in the present, you would look back to those stones piled in the past and say, I know he was there for me. That's a stone of remembrance. I remember that when I was going through, I can see that he was there and he brought me through. And I don't see it right now in the present, but I see he was there before. And we have these stones of remembrance. And we remember that something that God has done in our lives and ways that he's been faithful. And they did this so that they could remember that God was faithful to them. And we think of the story of the Passover that they celebrate every year. The Jewish people celebrate every year and they pass it down from generation to generation to their children and to their children's children. And they pass down the story about how God was faithful to them and brought them out of slavery in Egypt and oppression. And we must remember how we secured our freedom here in this nation in the first place. How we became a nation. 
must remember the bloody war with England to gain our independence. We must remember the civil war that gave freedom to slaves that were brought over to the Americas. We must remember how America stood in World War I and II against the bully named Adolf Hitler and saved Europe from becoming only Germany. Saved humanity from the atrocities attempted to exterminate God's people. We must remember the civil rights movement of Dr. Martin Luther King, who chose not to fight back, but to love, to give the other cheek. We ask that we judge not by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. We must remember that only about 20 years ago, the events of September 11th, and after that, Democrats and Republicans and Independents gathered to sing God bless America without issue and unity as a nation. We were unified as Americans. How we forget. It's true in tragedy. It's the same thing for our spiritual lives. Tragedy comes when we forget what Christ has done for us. And we continue to live our lives forgetting where that freedom comes from. That freedom from sin and bondage. What freedom there is to fully trust God in every circumstance. That's true freedom. You'll say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I believe it to you. Even in the waiting seasons. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's our down payment for our ultimate freedom from sin, death, and decay. Freedom for our nation and for our salvation came at a cost. Blood was spilled for both. One gave us freedom as a nation, and the other, freedom from sin. Morning as we transition, that we had now and then I closed. You're watching online this morning or here in this room. I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is the one who can redeem your life and make you new again and give you true and lasting freedom. The things of this world will never give you true and lasting freedom. And He has promised. That he will forgive all of your sins, everything that you've done. All you have to do is ask and receive him into your life. You get a new start in life. He begins to change you and make you new. And if you have never surrendered your life to Christ today, is the day. He loves you, he has a plan for your life. And you can be sure of your salvation this morning. All you have to do is say it's the words aren't meant to be. But they're words that you pray from your heart. And the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Say something like this, and you can say it quietly out loud. Lord, I'm struggling in this season of my life. <coughs> but today, I believe your promise for me. I need to experience your love for me. And to receive your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Today, give me my life. 
today I give you my life. Make me new right now and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just said that prayer this morning, I want to encourage you on your phone, to your, in your app store, to download an app called New Version. You'll find in there a devotion that you can search for called First Steps for New Believers. And I want to encourage you to download the app and begin to go through that. That devotion and to help that help you begin to grow in your faith. And we know that you have to get connected somewhere. If you're mobile, we'd love to see you here at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you're not mobile and you're watching from somewhere far away, please, I encourage you, find a church that you can connect with because this is going to be critically important to you continuing to grow in your faith. It's going to be very important. So let's have the congregation stand together as I charge you today as you leave this place. Former pastor used to say, "Leave this place with my presence, because this place is where His presence is." Right? So this morning, my charge to you is to go and celebrate the birth of our nation and the freedom it now gives to us. Go trusting that God has everything working for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purposes. Go with the power of the Holy Spirit who has been deposited in us as a down payment for what is to come. Go and trust in this season of waiting, for he will renew your strength. Amen. God bless you. Have a great 4th of July. We'll see you next week.